But if I'm dumped into an unfamiliar environment, it takes a while to learn the new API. And if that environment offers a block-based interface, then it makes getting started a lot easier. Once you get the hang of it, then I'd want to migrate to text-based. But I think that block-based programming certainly has a use even for established developers in learning a new system. Welcome to Kids Lab, a podcast for parents, educators, and everybody interested in STEAM education. In this episode, I'm talking to Neil Fraser, the inventor of Blockly. Blockly is a JavaScript library for building visual programming editors. Neil works as a software engineer at Google in Mountain View, California, USA, for more than a decade. In his spare time, he's an active maker and tinkerer and also created a variety of open source software. Neil is also the initial creator of Blockly, a JavaScript library for building visual programming editors. We've covered block-based visual programming in quite a few episodes now, but one can really say that Blockly has had a huge impact on the ad tech world, if not even the biggest impact. Block-based programming uses interlocking blocks to create code. That means there is no syntax to get wrong, such in text-based coding. Block-based coding is a great way for kids, but also their parents and teachers, to learn about computer programming. The colorful blocks and the built-in validation mechanisms make it easy to create functional programs while reducing the issues that beginners often have. While block-based programming has its roots in the educational market and very often teachers are trying to switch their students to text-based coding at some point in time, block-based programming is gaining importance when it comes to other non-educational applications and some also question the real need to switch to text-based programming. I'm already excited to hear Neil's perspective on this. It's absolutely amazing to see what can be programmed via block-based programming today, from creating 3D models via BlockScat to creating missions for drones via drone blocks. And that's just the educational sector. All links mentioned during this interview, as well as images and background info, will be available in the show notes. Please visit kidslab.dev. Okay, welcome, Neil. I'm really thrilled to have you on the show. Um, I know so much about Blockly and how much it's being used in the ad tech market. So it's absolutely awesome to have you on the show. And I hope that you're also looking for some kind of uh, something a bit different in despite all this corona madness. So how are you today? Averil, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having me in the show. I'm thankful that as a software engineer, I can work from home. Uh, my job's secure and I can be here indefinitely. And uh, I'm very mindful that not everyone is so fortunate. I totally agree with you. So Neil, you are the inventor of Blockly. And Blockly is a block-based programming library. And we've talked about block-based programming many, many times in, in the recent podcast episodes, actually. So it is used in a ton of educational services. So my first question would be, can you tell us the story, how it all began? How does Blockly happen to be? Oh, like most things, it was an accident. Uh, I'd been asked to uh, rewrite the front end of a Google project called App Inventor. Um, partway through this work, uh, App Inventor was canceled, and I was assigned to something else. Um, but I thought that what I was doing was valuable, so I just went on vacation. Uh, and I kept coming into the office every day um, to work on what turned into Blockly. Um, There was nothing that my manager could really do about this. 
and after about two months, I had a functioning version of Blockly. Management liked it. They uncancelled my project and they gave me back my vacation. And that's how it all began. So did, uh, did it all begin with the with having education in mind right from the beginning? Yes, App Inventor was a, an educational product. Actually, it still is. App Inventor was canceled at Google, but MIT picked it up. So it's uh, it, um, it's uh, going to this day. Um, it uh, had education as its initial goal, um, but I was always mindful that uh, Blockly or block-based interfaces could be used for non-educational uh, applications. Um, and this was nine years ago, um, and We've now got, uh, let me see, about five Google engineers working on it, uh, as well as a large open source program uh, community. So it's it's been a fun ride. Very cool. And we'll definitely touch on the non-educational usage of Blockly later on in the episode. But for now, I would like to stay with the, the ed tech or the education area, actually. So why do you think is block-based programming especially useful for beginners and kids coding? When you start to program you're being hit with an awful lot of skills that you have to pick up all at the same time. Uh, and Blockly allows one to separate those skills out. So, for instance, there's, um, well, the, the most obvious skill with programming is learning how to think like a computer, programming. Um, that's the core. But if you start programming using Python or JavaScript or some other language, You've also got the problem of syntax errors. Kids getting really frustrated because there's missing or unbalanced parentheses or missing semicolon, that sort of stuff. Um, you've also got, you're targeting people who often don't know how to type. And so they know what they want, but they're trying to figure out where the, where the W key is. Um, so being keyboard free helps a lot. Um, and another thing that Blockly helps factor out is that Blockly or block-based programming can be in your own language. The blocks can be labeled with uh, whatever word you speak, as opposed to programming language that are almost exclusively in English. So you can imagine what it would be like learning to um, program, but the keys are randomly arranged on your keyboard, <laughs> and all the keywords are in Chinese. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Uh, these are all things that programmers have to learn, but they don't have to do them all on day one. Uh, Block-based programming allows you to separate those things out as separate battles uh, to be learned later and just concentrate on the nuts and bolts of how programming works. So does this mean that you would ideally like to transition block-based programmers to, to textual code-based programmers at some point? Would you say that's the perfect transition or is there... Is, this, is it also okay to kind of start with block-based programming instead? Or? I'm definitely a fan of uh, text-based programming. Uh, the simple way to look at it is uh, Blockly is written in a text-based language. It's not written in Scratch. Uh, there aren't that many applications out there that are written in a block-based language. Uh, and there are good reasons for it. There's no substitute for using a keyboard. Uh, drag and drop gets old really fast. Um, also, Graphical programming is much less dense than text. Uh, blocks don't scale to large projects. I, I can't. I can't imagine what it would be like to maintain the Linux kernel in Blockly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, I, I like to think of block-based programming as a gateway drug. It, it gets children hooked and then pushes them on to harder things. Uh, I know there are some educators who don't like that analogy. 
I'm also wondering if it maybe is just uh, the right amount of coding that you need for citizen citizen development, for example, right? Or to at least use certain tools that you would normally need to customize and, and modify a bit more than just kind of turning on a toggle here and there. Um, but you're not necessarily uh, don't want to go into full-fledged development, for example. Yes, there's, uh, if one isn't going to become a software engineer, um, I think it's still valuable for everybody to know the basics of how a computer program works because it takes a lot of the mystery out. Uh, I don't do architecture, but I really value the architecture course I took in university. Um, just having some background knowledge of how block-based programming works uh, is, is a fantastic endpoint if, if you don't intend to become a software engineer. So do you have any data about how many tools actually make use of Blockly? Um, and there must be a huge number of tools, I guess. We think we're aware of most of the larger uh, educational platforms that use Blockly. Uh, generally, we hear directly from the developers, like MIT when they created Scratch or Microsoft when they created uh, MakeCode. Um, Blockly has an active developer community, and uh, the Blockly team is uh, very engaged with that community. Uh, so we hear when one of the larger uh, players gets gets into uh, gets into the mix. So very often we hear um, about these 21st century skills, and of course, coding is probably one of them. So do you think that coding is the most important 21st century skill? The most important? No, definitely not. Uh, there are many skills that are more important: uh, communication, uh, critical thinking, curiosity. Uh, these These are much more important than one specific skill uh, of programming. Um, also, the older I get, the more I believe that history is also critical if we want to learn mm -hmm. from the past. Uh, it's, uh, history is the greatest simulation of our future, I think. <laughs> oh, I agree with that, yes. So um, at SAP, I was recently researching some no-code, low-code development, actually. And, and in, in my enterprise environment, I was then kind of experimenting with creating visual lambdas, for example, with a block-based programming language. It was based on Blockly, actually. So, um, so while Blockly is rooted and still mostly used in the ad tech market, um, I think it has an increasing influence also in the non-educational area. So first question would be, do you agree? And the second thing is, um, if we teach our kids today how block-based programming is or works, basically, even if they're not turning into developers, that must have a huge positive impact on them, actually, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to think that I'm a decent programmer. Um, but if I'm dumped into an unfamiliar environment, it takes a while to learn the new API. Uh, and... It, If that environment offers a block-based interface, then it makes getting started a lot easier. Um, mm -hmm. Once you get the hang of it, then I'd want to migrate to text-based. Uh, but I think that block-based programming certainly has a use, uh, even for established developers, in learning a new system. Um, outside of that, uh, there's also a lot of companies that are using Blockly for internal systems. Um, unfortunately, we only hear whispers of this. Uh, a few years ago, there was a developer who posted on the support group saying that uh, uh, Blockly slowed down after he generated more than 3,000 lines of COBOL. <laughs> I fixed the issue, but 
I never found out what he was doing. It certainly wasn't education. At least I hope not. Mm -hmm. um, uh, <laughs> I, my guess is that it was, uh, he was creating a block leaf front end on some mainframe dinosaur at a bank or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we don't really have a good pulse on uh, what's happening in industry uh, because of course these are internal systems and they don't, uh, they don't advertise them a lot. In terms of being able to do things more complicated than checkboxes, yes, this would be, I think Blockly is, is a fantastic way to specify rules and configurations, uh, like filters in a mail application. Um, forms can be used, but they're often inflexible. Um, and code is much more difficult. Uh, but with blocks, it's usually uh, uh, much simpler to connect these rules together and, and see what's going to happen. Uh, the problem is that block-based interfaces aren't in, in immediately intuitive uh, to today's office workers, but maybe that'll change in the future because currently we've got millions of kids every year being exposed to block-based interfaces. Uh, so maybe they'll become more popular in the future. So I would like to take a little look at the history of Blockly. Um, can you describe how Blockly evolved over time and what were some, somehow or some kind of the, the milestones of Blockly? Blockly has been remarkably consistent um, since its development. The biggest change isn't with Blockly itself, but rather people's perception of it. Uh, when it first appeared, most people incorrectly viewed Blockly as a language. And they complain about Blockly uh, missing certain blocks like uh, uh, Bluetooth support or XHR support. But over time, we've managed to increase the understanding that Blockly is a library. Uh, it enables developers to build their own block-based language. Uh, MIT's Scratch is a language. Uh, Microsoft's MakeCode is a language. And Blockly enables MIT and Microsoft to create those languages. What would you say is your favorite block-based language then? Uh, so you just mentioned MIT Scratch, for example, and there are other, well, languages, sometimes I would call them tools or services. So when, when you, for example, are able to create 3D models with BlockScat, right, um, then it's probably more service and Blockly is used to kind of construct these 3D models. So what, what kind of tool service is your favorite one here? Uh, I think that my favorite Blockly application would have to be uh, Ozoblockly. Uh, Ozobot make this wonderful little programmable robot that can drive around, follow lines, and detect obstacles. Uh, it's about the size of a ping pong ball, and it looks like R2-D2. Uh, they use Blockly to program this robot, and they've just done a really, really good job of it. Um, they, uh, they, they've created a range of programming interfaces. Um, the, the most Basic levels for pre-readers, where there are, there's no text on any of the blocks; it's just pictograms. Um, and then the most advanced levels got blocks that perform bit shifting, uh, and you can mix and match them together. It's it's the best example I've ever seen of a of an application that tailors itself to its users. Uh, whenever I travel, I always stick a Nozabot in my backpack. Um, I've used it to teach programming to a random kid sitting next to me on the London Underground. Uh, I've used it when visiting the University of Havana in Cuba. Um, Autobots are great. Uh, they're, they're just happy little robots. Very cool. 
So, and I just mentioned it already, right? So, I mean, we, I talked about BlockScat, for example, to create 3D models. And there are other um, examples. I mean, you can buy now, for example, program a drone, a mission drone, a, a drone mission, for example, with Blockly. So it's, it's pretty endless, to be honest, what you can do. So what is the, the craziest, funniest or strangest use of Blockly that you've seen so far, at, at least when it comes to the educational sector, I would say? Uh, a, a coworker was traveling in Malaysia a few years back, and he came across a small school teaching programming with Blockly, uh, despite having no computers in the classroom. They'd printed out individual blocks, laminated them, and then used magnets to assemble them uh, into programs. It was like um, those uh, magnetic poetry kits that people have on their fridge, uh, but for software engineering. I've seen Obama program using Blockly. He became the first uh, uh, president uh, to program, to write a program. Um, Bill Gates has used it, and Mark Zuckerberg. But seeing this classroom of kids with no computers learning programming in Malaysia, that that's just been the highlight of uh, what I've seen educationally for, for me personally. It's very cool. So they, they took Blockly screenless, basically, and... Uh... Yeah, use it without computers. It's amazing. <laughs> Very creative, I would say. So, Neil, you are also a dad. Um, how do you personally try to engage your kids in STEAM activities? Um, how do you try to fascinate it in, in, for science in general? Is there any master plan? My philosophy is just to introduce Beverly to everything I can and let her choose what she's interested in. I don't want to push her down any particular path. Um, she's growing up in a house where it's normal to set an alarm in the middle of the night to watch the next SpaceX rocket launch. Uh, she's got a spacesuit in her closet and occasionally wears it to uh, her preschool. Um, this afternoon, we'll be exploding marshmallows in a vacuum chamber I just built. So <laughs> I don't know where her interests will take her, but I'm just going to give her as many options as I can. And of course, that will include... Uh, software engineering. I would like to see that on your blog, by the way, <laughs> exploding marshmallows. So it will definitely be there. Um, we'll definitely link to that. So um, watch out for that. Um, so what's coming up when it comes to Blockly? Um, can you talk a little bit about the future? What kind of uh, the what are some of the features that might be in the in the working right now? As I said before, Blockly has been remarkably consistent over time, which gives it a great stability that uh, I. I've uh, that many software projects don't have. We really care about backwards compatibility. Uh, so a program written in the earliest version of Blockly will still load today, nine years later. The current focus uh, is to make Blockly more modular. Um, this will enable more customization between uh, applications. So the look and feel can be changed uh, with themes. Uh, the behavior can be changed with plugins. And the overall size can be reduced because one only needs to compile in the parts that one actually uses. Um, we really want to keep uh, Blockly flexible for all of its incredible diversity of application um, and keep it lean as well. Uh, I think uh, Blockly is around uh, 200 kilobytes, uh, and that's nine years of effort. That's uh, a lot of that effort is just trying to keep it small so that it loads fast because that really is important. 
So, Neil, thank you so much. Um, it was really great to, to listen to you. I wish you all the best. Um, have fun with Blockly and uh, let's hope Corona is over soon and we can all meet again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Blockly had and still has a profound impact on the world of STEAM education by providing an open source, flexible JavaScript library for building visual programming tools. I hope you enjoyed hearing some thoughts directly from its inventor, Neil Fraser. Don't forget to check out kidslab.dev for the links and the other show notes. Again, that's kidslab.dev. Next up, I'll be talking to the creators of Momentix Toys. They make toys that use chain reaction machines to teach critical STEAM skills to kids 7 and up. Music